I, I studied a while last night, been up since six. Just spending time with Jesus. And I got ready to do the things I normally do to pray about a service that I'm supposed to be, that, that I'm attending, first of all. If you go to church without praying about that service, you get what you're praying for. But there's a specific way that I pray when I'm going to a service that I'm going to have some part in. And uh, I said it on the, the way this morning. We had a car full of guys. I said, you know, there's some things you can do at 65. I couldn't, I could, I've been saying the same stuff for 43 years now. It just wasn't acceptable 43 years ago. It wasn't acceptable 20 years ago. A lot of it wasn't acceptable to folks 10 years old, but now, 10 years ago, but now at 65, well, he's just old, so we can take it, I guess. So here you go. Presumptuous step number one, except it's not presumptuous since God told me to do it. He wouldn't let me pray that prayer at home. I mean, back in the room. He said, teach them how to pray for a church service. And for their part in that church service. Now, right now you may think that's pretty obvious. I got a feeling by the time we're through praying here a little bit for, for this service, the rest of this service, you're going to find out there's a lot of stuff that's not been obvious at all. Okay? In fact, I have never done this in my entire life. In some of our training classes at home, I've talked about stuff that I pray, that the Lord has led and taught me to pray for a church service. But I, I've never prayed it in people's presence. Now, here's what I'm going to do this first part of this. I'm going to pray some, and I'm going to stop and explain why I'm praying that. And then I'm going to pray some more, and I'm going to stop and explain that. And if it takes a while to get through this first part, you take it, do what you want to with it. But if you'll let God give you some form of this, you'll find stuff different in your church services. First of all, let me tell you what I do not pray for. God, give me something to preach tonight. I never asked that question. I used to. I never ask what I'm supposed to say. I do not study to preach. And yet, no show of hands here, but I'd be shocked if that's not the primary focus of 90% of the ministers in this room. What do you want me to say? And then I go study and figure out how the best way is for me to say it to look good. To sound good. Hang them from the man at the chandeliers. Help them walk through the Milky Way so I get my pats on the way to the room. I study. I study. I don't think I have to defend that. I study. I study to know. I study to know the Word. I study to know God. I study for my own questions to be answered. I put it all down in here. And my prayer 
if you'll listen closely, the purpose of that prayer is to get neutral so that I don't influence what the Spirit chooses to come out. And that's the focus. And I remember being a young preacher and not having, knowing what to say and having to dig around just to come up with something to say. And, and, and you think, well, when I finally get some experience and know a little bit, it'd be a lot easier. Wrong. It is far easier to know this much and let, far more difficult to know this much. Or to, it's, it, it's not as hard to know this much and, ha- and allow God to add all this you don't know than it is for you to know this much and let God edit it down to say, okay, I know you and I have talked about all this, but this is all I'm going to let you say about that. That's different. So, you'll notice two distinct areas of this prayer. The first is me by the Holy Ghost, positioning myself in God, establishing clearly by speaking, as was preached to us the other night. I say it out loud. Speak. I position myself in the place to be used to God. And then second of all, then I begin to let the, the authority of God minister through me for that service. Okay? So it's something along this line. Jesus' name, Lord, I confess today before you that I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I belong to you. I am not mine. Do with me as you choose. If you choose to open my mouth, open it. If you choose to shut my mouth, shut it. But Lord, by your help and grace, I I hear with ears to hear what you're saying to the church. And by your help and grace, I will not add to what you want to say. By your help and grace, I will not take away from you what you what you're wanting to say. And by your help and grace, I will say what you want to say, how you want to say it. I'm yours, Father. I want to be a part of you. I want to be a part of your plan. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a part of your purpose. I want to be a part of your life. I give myself to you as your man, as your servant, as your son. I am yours, Jesus. I choose and desire to please absolutely nobody but you. Lord Jesus, by your help and grace, I don't even want the thought to go through my mind. What are they going to think about me saying or doing? Whatever, Lord, here I am. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours, Jesus. Now, Lord, let me be a conduit. These are your people. I don't know anything about what's going on in their life like you do. I don't know what they need to hear. I don't know what they've got hidden in their hearts. Lord, just let me be a conduit for you to talk to your people, for you to speak to your people. Lord, I don't want to speak to your people. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the conduit. Speak to your people, Lord. You minister to your people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, while I'm praying, 
before or during that time sometime, one of basic, three basic things is going to happen. Okay? Sometimes, rarely, I will get a thought, and then scriptures will start to fit with it. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's no rule. It just depends on how I feel. I may take out a piece of paper. I'll write down the, the scriptures in the order in which they, get, I, I, they came to me. And that'll be my notes if I have any. Other times, and this is probably 75% of the time. The first one's about 15%. The second one's about 75%. I will get a starting point. It's like being used in, this, in the gift of prophecy. Some people claim that the Lord tells them everything they're supposed to say. Well, he had never done that with me. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes all I get is, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord what? Not your problem. So, Sometimes all I get is a starting point. But because I'm neutral. Because me, I've taken me by the grace of God out of the equation. It has nothing to do with what they think of me. Now that's just, a, that was a nutshell prayer. Sometimes that prayer will go on a while. And I don't want to do too much of that. Simply because this has got to come from your heart. Now, once, once by the Holy Ghost, I positioned myself by the Holy Ghost to be neutral, available, and clearly established that He's in charge. And what anybody thinks of what's done or said is totally irrelevant. Then... I kick into a second phase of prayer. This is where I am using my authority. Let me tell you unbelief praying. I'm going to tell you how unbelief prays. This is unbelief praying. Lord, I ask you tonight to touch people's lives. Lord, I ask you tonight to save people. Lord, I ask you tonight to heal people. Lord, I ask you tonight to help people. Lord, I'm asking you. That is unbelief. Here's how faith prays. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over every spirit that would use any individual or any method to hinder the will of God in this service tonight. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to flee this place in the name of Jesus. You have no authority here. You have no right here. I bind you in Jesus' name. I loose the Holy Ghost and the angels of God to minister to the people of God and to the lost that are in this service tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I loose the will of God to be done. Or sometimes I'll start it in the order. In the name of Jesus, I loose the name of Jesus 
to be manifested and glorified in this place so that it would be hallowed in all of our hearts and minds and spirits. In Jesus' name, let the glory of the name of Jesus fill this house. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the kingdom of God to be manifested in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, thy kingdom come in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the will of God for this service in Jesus' name that you've already pre-planned in your mind, God. I loose the will of God in heaven for this service tonight to be done in this service that we would not add to it or take away from it. That we would follow you exactly the way you want to go. That you will do exactly what you, you desire to do tonight. And we present ourselves as vessels for you to do that through in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that's faith praying oh please mountain please God would you move this mountain you, I guarantee you right now that mountain's not moving any place because that's not faith or here, here here's the way we do it Oh, God, I'm so pitiful. I'm going through it so bad, God, and I know you've been busy because obviously if you really weren't busy, you would know what I was going through and you would want me to go through this. So please, God, please come move this mountain. Can you spell tunnel out? Because it's about following your head. You talk about that, right? God is the resistor of the proud. If you bring pride and unbelief and fear are symptoms of pride. The very stuff you want God to do is the very stuff He's going to resist doing to resist your pride. Now, there's all kind of other stuff that could and should be prayed. I need somebody in some pain right now. Anybody in pain? You're in pain. You're in pain right now? Come up here, sister. Oh, hallelujah. This is not a prayer for the sick. This is a demonstration. Praise God. Here's the way we do it. Uh, don't forget, I've been in Pentecost since the first Sunday of my life. I'm not Brother Stone King having to come into this craziness. I sat in the midst of this craziness growing up and didn't want to have any part of it, frankly. I wanted to be saved. But as a kid sitting watching penny marches for missions and people on Sunday morning with sinners present plopping pennies in an offering plate counting out birthdays while everybody took time with the lost going to hell singing, oh, happy birthday to you. I'm a kid sitting watching that and saying, we, we, we're giving penny marches to missions. We don't care about anybody going to hell. We don't care. So if I'm against all this, you turn me against it. So here's how we pray. 
In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to heal this sister. She's a good lady. And, and Lord, she doesn't deserve to suffer like this. In Jesus' name, I ask you to heal her, Lord. I ask you to touch her body. You ask all you want, and that's unbelief operating. You show me any place in the book where he tells us to pray and ask him to heal somebody. I want to see that in the book. Surely with the way we do it, you've got Bible for it. Excuse me. That stuff really gets me cranked. I'm not trying to hurt you. My Lord, don't we read the Bible? Don't we believe what it says? Or do we read it through Pentecostal traditional glasses? Hallelujah. Sister, I... I don't really have to pray for you. But for their sake, I will. Okay? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take dominion and authority over the condition causing the pain in this body. I bind it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command this condition to loose her body. I command this pain to go. In the name of Jesus. 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 <laughs> now listen to me. Don't look at her. Listen to me. Right at this moment. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I don't care if her pain's gone or not. That's not my problem. Whether or not her body's healed at this moment is not my, it's not in my pay grade. I did the will of God. Do I believe she got touched? No, I don't. I know she got touched. Whether, whether it hurts more right now, whether it's better, whether it's completely gone, whether it gets better over time, whether she's sitting back there not thinking about it and all of a sudden realize it's gone, though that's not my problem. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want you to listen to me real carefully. Because, boy, you talk about stepping on Pentecostal tradition. Woo! Anointing is not the end all to be all. Hear me carefully now. Don't forget what I said. I'm happy to debate you on I don't make statements that I don't believe I can back up in a biblical debate. Okay? So listen carefully. 
there's a lot of people with an anointing to do things that they don't have the authority to do. And anointing is not a substitute for authority. Anointing simply means that the Spirit of God is empowering you either for that moment or as a gifting to do something that you cannot do naturally. But authority is having the right to do it. You want to get hurt? Come against the devil through an anointing. Jesus said, Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you not power. The Greek word is authority. And hear me. There's only one way to get authority. And that's to be under authority. And every independent, and I don't mean outside the UPC, every independent preacher that nobody can tell him anything and he's accountable to nobody and he doesn't have to answer to nobody, that man may have an anointing, but he has no authority. And hear me. You ready? You ready for this one? Every time he gets in the pulpit and tries to pe preach to his people, he is usurping authority. He is a usurper of authority. And that's why it's cursed, not blessed. You know why it's no big deal to us? Because we've learned how to do this naturally. We've learned how to do this through experience and through ability and through intellect. We've become an organization of professional pulpiteers. But in fact, what we are, we become an organization full of professional puppeteers. We're not pulpiteers. We're puppeteers. We know how to put the right, right, push the right button to get the right reaction at the right time. And that's what we're doing. We're just pulling the strings and we're just manipulating all of that stuff. See, the bottom line is the only thing that matters is fruit. That statement is not in the least bit in contradiction to what Brother Morgan said about numbers. Because every tree that your heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. And you hear me right now. I can learn how to use emotion and technique to get somebody out of an congregation to the altar to get them to receive the Holy Ghost you ready ooh, ooh. and they will receive 
the real Holy Ghost. Because if you do certain basic things with mustard seed faith, you're going to get the Holy Ghost because even little children get the Holy Ghost. It's not hard. But you'll never be able to pass to those people because the Heavenly Father didn't plant them. Because you use flesh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And in order to feed our egos, we're building numbers and condemning those people to hell. Because for those people to eventually be saved, they're probably going to have to get unsaved again and have the chance to come back. And let me tell you something. It's a lot harder for somebody that knows what this is all about to come back and give themselves 100% than it is for somebody that doesn't know and God can bring them in and bring them one step at a time. But it's about fruit. You know what it means if there's no fruit in your life? There's only one thing you need to check if there's nothing happening through your life and ministry. One. That's all. Check the connection between you as the branch and the vine. That's called relationship. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you dot the I's and cross the T's of separation. And I believe in separation. Biblical separation. Nobody in this room stronger on biblical separation than I am. I do believe there's a difference between doctrine and conviction. I won't get into that. You, can, you, you may be dotting all those I's. You may be the best help a pastor could hope for. You, you, you may be early to church, a part of everything. But that in no way means that you're not a dried up branch. Because there's only one proof of a, a branch with a healthy relationship with the vine. One fruit fruit and argue all you want let's go at it but it's not fruit of the spirit fruit of the spirit is something completely different than that that whatever hangs on the end of that branch you plant that it's going to grow another vine that produces branches just like the branch it was hung on Fruit of the Spirit is fruit that's produced like the Father that's nothing like us, that we know have no ability to produce. In me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. There's no love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance. There's none of that in me. So if any of that's coming out of me, it's a product of the Spirit. But the fruit on the end of that branch... That's another, I'm off the subject half a second here, but that's another problem with our complete disregard for the difference between revival and harvest. They are not synonymous terms. Revival is only applicable to those who were once alive. 
And if you have a harvest before you have revival, God help us. Because don't forget something. Those fruit, that fruit's going to turn out just like the branches that bore it. And the ministry is just a visible conduit for the work of the vine. But the branches, that's everybody sitting out there. Jesus help us. Now, there's there's more more to pray, but I got to release on that. So, on to the next one. All right, sister, help me if you would, please. Here we're going to go for several verses. I know you don't have this list. I'll try to my best to be patient with you. <laughs> Uh, start with one that we've used already, Matthew 16, 18, and 19. I'm going to read a list of scriptures here. Try to do my best not to comment until I get this list uh, read. Matthew 16, 18 through 19. And while I'm, I don't know if you can do another one while we're reading that one, but I'll give you these. Matthew 12, 28 through 20, 29. Mark 3, 26, 27. Luke 11, 20, and 22. Okay? So, here's Matthew 16, 18, 19. And I, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then Matthew twelve twenty eight twenty nine. Listen to what Jesus said. Now they've called him a devil because he cast out devils. Which shows you how sound the reasoning is of the spiritually blind. They can't see the difference between somebody who has a devil casting out a devil than somebody that definitely doesn't have a devil casting out a devil. That's blind. Because why would the devil cast out one of his own? So listen. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, listen, then the kingdom of God is, not will, is, present tense, is come unto you. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What are you praying for if you're praying that? First of all, I'll get. I may get back to this if if the Lord permits. It's part of that transition stuff between the points I got that I may or may not get to. But hear me right now. You study the parsing, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read books. You study the parsing of the verbs in the Lord's Prayer. You will find the tense that those verbs are in is the tense of command, not. It's not in any tense that would indicate begging or petition or asking. So when you're praying that prayer, you're not saying, Lord, let your name be hallowed. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. No, 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 no. The verb in every one of those situations is in the imperative tense. That's the tense of command. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be 
done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a command. Now, we're not commanding God, but we're a conduit for God getting what He wants to do in heaven down into the earth. And, as my good friend preached, the only one way, there's only one way to get in the earth. You can't think it into the earth. You can't work it into the earth. You got to say it. If you can't say it, you don't believe it. It's de- Again, that's easily defensible. But I don't want to get sidetracked. So, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the kingdom of God in this service to be manifested. That's how you pray when you're Paul that doesn't want people to rely on the wisdom of men. When you're a preacher that's not trying to win converts to yourself and eventually after you've soaked up all of Lucifer's glory because that's what he was interested in, maybe pointing them to Jesus. I want book, chapter, and verse for anything in the Bible even, even close to the concept of win them to you to win them to Jesus. I want to to see it. Oh, Oh, you that are afflicted with that great personality that's just so nice, everybody likes you. Beware when all men speak well of you. Beware when all your congregation speaks well of you. Beware when they all go home happy and thrilled to death over what you said. Service after service after service. You ain't hearing from God. You just got a fan club you're, you're appealing to. Well, I got to get good at that or they won't invite me to preach any conferences. Let them have the conferences. I just want to be, I just want to be yielded to God. I just want Him to be able to trust me that whatever He says, I will say it without adding to it or taking away from it. Period. And I know I won't just say it, but I'll say it His way. If He wants it hit head straight, I'll say it straight. If He wants it said soft, I'll say it soft. I don't want to just say what He says without adding to it or taking away from it. I want to say it like He wants it said. Without adding to or taking away from it. Because when I began to think, okay, this is what God said. But how can I say that? I had a preacher say that to me the other day. This guy, he really is a man of God. He's been mightily used to God all over, all over this world. But he, he just, he just couldn't, he, he couldn't preach without reading it. And I said to him one day, boy, you're selling yourself and God short. He said, how's that? He said, you're not going to believe this conversation. He said, uh, uh, well, he was really kind about it. And we are friends. 
But he said, well, I'm just not really willing to risk what you do. He said, I'm an evangelist, and if I start getting a bad reputation, they're not going to have me come. And when when I come, they have certain expectations of me. And so I want to make sure that I don't say stuff that's going to get me in trouble because i got to feed my family. Really? I thought that was God's responsibility to take care of His sheep. And poor old Paul, he didn't know how to take care of himself because he not only was in fastings oft, he was in hungerings oft, which means... You're, you're fasting when you got food and choose not to eat it. But the Apostle Paul, who wrote, My God shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory, he hungered oft, meaning there were times he would have eaten and didn't have anything to eat. Poor old God let him down. The Lord didn't teach him how to protect his income. And worse than that, he ended up, do you know how many times he ended up in jail? He kept pushing it, pushing it. He finally got his head cut off of jail. He should have listened to somebody. You gotta moderate this stuff. You can't, you can't just get up there and say everything you're feeling. Well, you get blackballed in the UPC. He put me in it. If he wants me out of it, it won't be me getting out. I'm not, I'm not going any place on my own accord. But if your condition of my fellowship with you is that I compromise what God's telling me to say, do your worst. At least you're not taking my card for adultery. Yeah, see, that's the problem. I'm 65. I'm a district superintendent. I got a church with a contract for life. What am I fearing now? Oh, hallelujah. Let's go back. I, 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 forgive me. I just. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, that's the agency, then the kingdom of God's come unto you. So if I'm looking at that from a spiritual algebraic standpoint, Okay. Casting out devils by the Spirit of God is equal to the kingdom of God coming unto you. That's algebra. He made the comparison, and he's stating one is equal to the other. The kingdom of God coming is the Spirit of God being manifested in the, in the supernatural realm. If the Lord uses you, or you allow the Lord inside that box to use you in the supernatural dimension, then the kingdom of God has come. Now, here we go. Next verse. Or else, or else, or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man And then he will spoil his house. So, you know what's really awesome about beating your head against the wall? 
it feels so good when you finally quit. Since I know what I'm saying is from the Holy Ghost, I'm going to say this. If it's really your choice, if you're so full of pride, so full of determination to go home and preserve your tradition and keep going home and keep beating your head against the wall and trying this new method and that new method and wondering why it's not working for me like it worked for the last guy, it's a free country. Enjoy yourself. But since I'm not the church builder and I'm not the Savior, I'm only the servant. I'm a son of God, but I'm also a servant of God. I, I, I just, I like stuff that works. I'm not in antique furniture. I'm not in, into antique cars. I'm not into antique anything. I started to say my wife, but she's, not antique and there's people here with it say I said that we just celebrated her 11th anniversary of being 49 so she's certainly not an antique she's not antique but I will say this she's the oldest thing I care about and there ain't much else that's very old I care about because I want new wine I want fresh word. I want a living, vibrant, now relationship with God. You live in your heritage if you want. I'm going to be apostolic. So here's the question. Jesus asks it. Jesus asks the question. You know him? Anybody know who that is? He's asking you and I this question. How can you enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods till you first bind the strong man? And since the devil is a spirit, he's supernatural. All of his little buddies are spirits and supernatural. You can't kill them. So you don't ever stop binding loosing. The day you let him up, you got to put your foot on his neck and keep it there and remind him every day, my foot's on your neck and you're not getting up. Slight problem. He squeals like a pig. And here comes the reinforcements, and they're bigger than batter. And that's what we're afraid of. You know what? I know I don't look like a bodybuilder, but I, I used to have somewhat of physique other than round. And I know this much about that. Okay? I know that you can't build muscle and strength taking a 10-pound dumbbell and doing this a thousand times. You may get in decent shape doing that, but you're not building any muscle. You're not building any strength. If you, if you, when it, when it gets easy to lift a certain weight, your heavenly Father, if we submit to Him, 
he's going to shift the amount of weight. And he keeps shifting the amount of weight because there's really no limit to how much he can do to us. My God. Maybe consciously this isn't in your mind. But you need to understand something. You can't pray enough. You can't fast enough to become immune from pain, problem, and pressure. You can't get spiritual enough where God will say, okay, you, you, you've gone far enough. No more pain, problem, and pressure from me. In fact, according to Hebrews 12, if you're not feeling any pain occasionally, you're not loved by the Father. And don't tell me you don't need correcting. In fact, I need a whole lot more whippings than he gives me. In fact, let me tell you something I've learned at 65, having had the Holy Ghost for 53 years now. I need a Savior more today than I've ever needed a Savior. I am farther away from being able to be good enough to be saved today than I have ever been. And by the grace of God, I intend to be in the first wave of taking that crown off and casting it at His feet. Because if I make it, there will only be one reason. The grace of God. If the righteous scarcely be saved, I'm asking you a question. Why do you want to beat your head continually against the walls of the strong man's house? And maybe, maybe, maybe find one walking, some, some captive walking by a window and jerk them out and rejoice over that one you freed. And thank God that one got freed. But the Lord's telling us how to have the whole house. Oh, and by the way, the word goods there is not limited to just the captives. Isn't it amazing that the people with truth are the one area, or the one element of Christianity that have never had enough money ever? Isn't that amazing? Oh, wait a minute. I pay my tithes. Well, that's whoopee great. Yeah. All paying your tithes does is give you a promise and an authority to pray a prayer. And what is that prayer? I take dominion and authority over the devourer. And I can pray that prayer with, with a clear conscience. Because whenever he says give, I give whatever he says give. No more, no less. Faithful with, with, with all our, our finances. That that alone gives me the right to pray with a clear conscience. I bind and rebuke the devourer. You loose my finances. You know what our problem is? We don't know how to live with a promise. We don't understand how a promise operates. This is where I was going. Can you give me 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18? 
We don't know how to live with the promise. You want to know why God says stuff and it never happens? We don't know how to live with the promise. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. The sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God, is one of two offensive weapons. How do I live with a promise? There's only one reason, dearly beloved, that the Father would give you a promise. A promise is a prophecy. It's Him telling you in advance what He wants to do, what He plans to do, what He will do if you'll believe and cooperate with it. There's only one reason to tell you. Not, not so you can say, well, God's made a promise. Woo, it's vacation time. Nothing left for me to do. Whoa, praise God. I got a promise. No. That prophecy, that promise is a weapon. Let me tell you something. As somebody that was trained to carry a sword and use a sword... It doesn't do you one bit of good except the look. That's called ceremonial. If it's inside the scabbard. If you don't pull it out, it's not doing you any good. You keep your promises tucked away. Oh my God. I got a question. Name the moment that Mary finally believed. Her son was the Messiah. Name it. Oh, she believed from the beginning. Oh, no, she didn't. No, she didn't. And I'll prove it to you. She kept hiding stuff in her heart. Sorry, friend, that ain't faith. Let me tell you, the very first moment she believed he was the Messiah, when he, she said, they run out of wine, He said, woman, what do I have to do with you? My time's not here yet. And she ignored what he said and turned to the servants and said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. She didn't explain why she said that. She didn't, she didn't, all she did. That, my friend, is the biblically, it it, is by the biblical criteria of faith, that is the first moment she believed he was the Messiah. And you keep your promises stuck away in your scabbard. I, I tell you what, my sword uh, that I don't carry very much anymore, it, I, we, we, we kind of hang it up on the wall. You know, it's got my initials on it. Boy, it's beautiful. There's no military sword nicer looking than a Navy sword. I'm not prejudiced, it's just the truth. Now, if you feel different than that, uh, God help you. you. You're misinformed, but that's the case. So you put that up on the wall. Whoa, and it looks really good on the wall. And some of us have got a whole hall of fame of promises. We go in there and look at it once in a while. I got a promise here and I got a promise there. That's a good promise there right there. But one, of the, one of these days. One of you. The man of God says, do you remember the time and the place when the Lord said go to your city? I can tell you mine. I'd spent four years in that in that city with no church, no preacher, no fellowship. Closest church was an hour away. And I didn't have liberty to go to that. 
So I spent four lonely, hard, difficult years where I found Jesus. Oh, I had the Holy Ghost when I got there, but I found Jesus there by myself with no prop holding up my lack of relationship. That's what church was to me. It was a prop. It just kept me propped up so I didn't have to have a relationship with God. And the preacher kept me propped up because then I didn't have to know the word. And I didn't have to hear the word for myself. I just, all of that just kept me propped up. So the Lord took all the props out, put me all by myself and said, here it is. Sink or swim. I want you to be saved. But you have to decide right now if you're in this for you or for somebody else or something else. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. And I never wanted to go back there. So I spent months and months and months and months. I tried to go to Key West, Florida because it was as far on the East Coast as I could get away from Maryland. I looked all around all over the, the, the Orlando area in my, 1970. Boy, you talk about some great places to start a church back then. I did everything I could to go any place but Maryland. And I preached a revival in Greenfield, South Carolina for William Harvey Secret. I should have refunded this money because I didn't pray not one time during the day for that revival. The Lord and I wrestled for two weeks. It was, it was down to it. I knew this was it, that something had to happen. And I was to the right of the pulpit. It was a sh- shorter platform. And I was laid up over that, that platform. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, okay, I'll go. And the moment... I said, I'll go. I saw a picture in my mind. That's a vision. So a picture in my mind. I saw a large white church building on a four-lane highway right outside of Annapolis. We now have a large white church building on a four-lane highway right outside of Annapolis. So not only did I, did I know I was supposed to go there, But I also knew that from that vision, it wasn't going to be little. There was never one time I ever thought about leaving. It never crossed my mind to leave. The only time that I ever asked to leave was the first time I went to Africa. First time I did overseas missions work. And I went to a new field, and there was no altar workers. And out of desperation... The first two services we prayed like 14 people through. The next four services, I realized it wasn't going to work like that. I lined them up down the middle aisle like a prayer line, prayed every one of them through by myself. When that trip was over, I had prayed 135 people through the Holy Ghost, and I, I didn't know ever want to leave. I said to God, with the same prayer and fasting and faith I got right now, I could pray through thousands in Africa. A soul is a soul, Lord. You died for everybody equally. Why should I waste my time in hard, the hard northeast? He said, because that's where I put you. And he said, don't ever discuss leaving with me again. Well, I didn't want to leave because I, I I just wanted to be more effective. And you know something? Take this how you want to. Doesn't really matter to me. It's my promise anyway. I don't have to convince you or justify you. It to you. But we only have a fraction of what God's told me we're going to have. Oh, oh, and by the way, 
That's why at 59, I became the bishop and somebody else became senior pastor. Because the Lord not only said, this is what I'm going to give you, and you're going to be alive to see it, but it's not going to happen through you. I was Abraham and got the promise. But for, for my promise to be fulfilled, there had to be somebody else involved. Somebody that believed the promise I got, but they're the ones that's going to happen through. So that nobody's fingerprints can, can be on it and say, I did this. I got a question. I got a question. How can you get people out of the strong man's house while he's just as strong as he's ever been? What does it mean under the I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Put this to the test. Put it to the test. Is there somebody you really love, you want to see them saved, and they're just not coming around? Well, you can't, you can't bind their will and make them be saved. But, but, you have the right to bind their sleep. Seen it work way too many times. Guess what else? You have the right to bind the effect of alcohol on their body. You have the right to bind the effect of drugs on their body. You can't bind their will. You can't make them be saved. And even after all that mind and loosen, they may not get saved. But they're a whole more, a whole lot more likely when they can't find any relief from the pleasure. You know what our problem is? We don't have a clue who we are. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we've got. Please, please. I'm not talking about human beings here. But I am so sick and tired of the victim mentality in Pentecost. Poor us. Poor us. Oh, nobody wants what we've got. Oh, we're, we're just the outcasts of the earth. Poor us. Talk about yourself. Don't talk about me like that. The world may not know who I am, but I am a son of God. Period. End of story. In fact, I want you to know something, frankly. There's only, I have a goal. There's only two that I care if they know who I am I got Bible for this scripture talks about us knowing God but rather being known of God so I want God to know me I want to know God but there's a lot of folks that cast out devils prophesied did many miracles that he didn't know hello so just because you got manifestation through your life doesn't mean God knows you A gifting is not a relationship. An anointing is not a relationship. I want God to know me. I want Him to trust me. I want to be trustworthy. If He wants me to lay down right here and die, I want Him to know 
I will trust him with it right now. But that's not, he's not, first and foremost, I want Jesus to know me. But second, I want the devil to know me. Jesus I know. And Paul I know. But who are you? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many people in your town know who you are. But the devils in your town ought to know who you are. I am not a devil chaser. I know some people that are really sensitive to the presence of the, of the devil. I don't want to be sensitive to the presence of the devil. This is not bravado. I'm telling you the honest to God truth. You don't know the number of times. Some place I've been traveling, some hotel room, even home a couple of times. I wake up and it's fears there. And it, oh, it's you. Why? He wanted me to get up and play patty cake with him. Lord didn't tell me to get up and play pedicate with him. He gave me rest and went back to sleep. You know what I was saying to him? You ain't worth even worrying about. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's our problem. Some of us can't hit him because we're boxing with shadows. Paul said, I fight, but I don't beat the air. I fight, but I don't beat the air. God's no respect our persons. This isn't about me or Brother Morgan or Brother Shadwell, Brother Dillon. It's not about a few individuals, some other men of God here that are mighty in the Spirit. It's, it's not about us personality. God is no respecter of persons. We may not all have the same gift, but we can have the same faith. And we, we've been given opportunity to have the same authority. Let's go to that next one, sister. I, I, I really got to move along here. Uh, Mark three twenty six twenty seven again, real quickly. Uh, if, and if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but he hath an end. No man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house. Luke chapter uh, 11, verses 20 through 22. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt... No doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. Next verse. When a strong man armed keep, keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he come upon him and overcome him and taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and... Excuse me. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. Now, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. Jesus said this same thing three times. 
How can you ignore it? How can you think that ministry is just going and praying and getting the songs together and getting a good sermon together and preaching and maybe praying for a few people who are sick and just, and, and, and that's ministry. Maybe visiting the hospital or doing a little counseling. How can we believe that's ministry? This stuff didn't just, this didn't just get put in the book last night. It's been in the book. All my life as a, as a person growing up in church, I never heard, I never had one pastor preach that to me. I went to Annapolis, Maryland to start a church ignorant of spiritual things as I could get. All I had was a hunger. I didn't have anything else. I had no knowledge. No experience. I just had a hunger. A hunger that says, there's more than this, and I'm going to find it. And if you give it to me line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, so be it. But I'm not stopping pursuing you, and I'm not stopping pursuing your ways, your methodology, because you promised the glory of God is going to fill the earth. And we're a long way from that. I'm really being selfish here. You understand it, don't you? Because if there's only a few people doing this warfare stuff, he can mass his forces against you. But what happens if we all start obeying the book? He doesn't have infinite forces. He doesn't have infinite forces. Now, I'll tell you what. Some of y'all are not too sure about that. That's okay. This isn't about me because it's not my message. Between you and God, so be it. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go home. You're not all this sure about that. Now, I know what I felt, and that was great stuff, and, and it all sounded good, but I, I don't know if that's for me. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to try to go back to your sermon. And I'm prophesying to you now. Because I know Jesus. I'm prophesying to you. What used to work ain't going to work like it used to work. And God's going to take you to a place that you get so frustrated that you finally say, okay, God, I'll at least try this. I'll at least try it. Now, the next thing in the box. Second um, Corinthians chapters uh, 10, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read it first in the English, or the King James, then in the Amplified. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not of the flesh. They're not intellect. They're not ability. They're not intelligence. <coughs> They're not programs. They're not methods. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Next verse, or, or amplified, same verses. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, parentheses, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now listen carefully. The first battles of spiritual warfare that you've got to win are the ones in your head. These verses were not written to the world about the world. They were written to the church about how we can get and need to get to the place that we are free of him. That the devil can't cast out the devil. And, and it was already said by one of the men of God in this meeting. The devil does have access to your mind. I think it was last night. Right? Brother Shetwell said that. He's got access to your mind. You can't get spiritual enough that he does not have access to your mind. Now, he can't read your mind. You've got to tell him what you're thinking. Why? Because when he looks inside of me, he sees a bright light. Only God can know the thoughts and intents of my heart, not the devil. But he doesn't have to read our minds. Our mouths run off. We tell him exactly how effective he's being. God help us. There is something. When I say there's something just moved in this room, I'm never talking about God. He fills all space. He can't go any place. So he can neither come nor go. But since, since to most of you it would sound too spiritual for me to say, significant angels of God to do certain ministry has just showed up. I, I, you know, I can't say it like that because most of you wouldn't receive it. So the only thing I'd say is something just came in this room. And, and what are they here for? They're here to minister for them who shall be heirs of righteousness. Now, I know, I know, I'm not looking at my watch. I was told to obey God. And so, in order to help you be patient while we do the will of God, we're first going to pray against strongholds to get you ready. And then after we do that, we're going to begin to pair up and we're going to begin at, 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 there'll be a little bit of instruction then, then we, I hope a little bit <laughs> well I don't hope a little bit if the Lord wants to do more than that but we're going to do some instruction later on 
after we do this first. We, we cannot pass this up. There are people, good people. You have the Holy Ghost. A stronghold is not possession. You can have the Holy Ghost and have a stronghold because it's in your mind. It's a pattern of thinking that influences your actions because every action starts with a thought. And if I'm not discerning the source of the thoughts, and I'm acting on the thoughts, and I'm taking ownership of the thoughts, then my actions are not consistent with what's inside. Paul said that, that which I would not do, I do. That which I, I, I don't want to do, uh, I, uh, what, what I'd want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Oh, what's wrong with me? That's a paraphrase. Was he saved at that time? It is impossible to even remotely prove that he was talking about pre-baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptism in Jesus' name. He was describing his walk with God. Oh, by the way, while he was living like that, his name was still Saul. His name was changed to Paul when he finally got victory over all that. And God changed his name. One of the reasons God changed his name was to signify how dramatic the change was. Real quickly. I said yesterday, I'm an, I'm an introvert. It's never been easy for me to go up to a door. Ever, ever, ever easy for me to go up to a door where I don't know who's on the other side of it. But the Lord was able to help me do it. And I've done a lot of door knocking. But about 1970, late 77, 78, I went through a period of time. Something got, okay, something got in my head, got on me. I, 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 it was so bad. We had, we had this little church building, and I had an office right back off the platform. And I would get, get to church before everybody else. And I would stay in there till after the singing started. And I'd walk out of that office, that office door, and it wasn't very much farther than this. I'd walk out of the office with my head down. I'd walk over, sit in my chair behind the pulpit because I wanted that chair right behind the pulpit. There was a fewer people could see me. I would sit down with my eyes closed and I would never make eye contact. And when, when, when the worship leader was through and it was my time to take the pulpit, I would get up with my head down and my eyes closed, walk to the pulpit, feel at the pulpit, stand there, raise my head with my eyes closed, raise my hands, and I would stand there and worship God till that thing left me. That fear left me. And then I would open my eyes and I'd be myself again. And that went on days, weeks, months. I couldn't do visitation. Going, I couldn't even get past the gate. I, it, 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 just the thought of going to visitation terrified me. And finally, I said, something's wrong here. And I got one of my guys, and on a Sunday night after church, I decided I got to go see the old prophet. I said to this young man, would you help me drive? We drove eight hours nonstop after church that night to Dayton, Ohio. I called him, told him I was coming. We got there. We, we pulled into his parking lot about 7 in the morning. He took us over to Pancake House. We ate breakfast. We went, went back to his office. Walked in his office. He said, okay, let's take care of this. I raised my hands. He put his hands on my head. He took dominion authority over that spirit of fear and commanded it to loose me. He tore down that stronghold. That prayer took about 10 minutes. We hugged next. I thanked him. I got in the car. We drove eight hours straight back. It never 
came on me again. To varying degrees, there are people in this room that battle strongholds of fear just like that. Some of you got help a while ago. I don't know how long this is going to take. Brother Dill, I don't know. But your burden to see these people go home different. We cannot stop this part until they've got every opportunity to have those strongholds torn down. Now hear me please. Every work of the flesh listed in Galatians 5 has a corresponding demonic spirit. There's a work of the flesh of adultery, but there's a spirit of adultery. How about this one? There's a work of the flesh of nicotine, but there's a spirit of nicotine. First time I ever saw that, it was again in the 70s. You know that, you know, the Lord put me through school. He just didn't let me go someplace else afterwards. These two ladies got saved the same day. In fact, they came to the altar. They didn't know each other, but they came to the altar side by side. I didn't know both of them were heavy smokers. They both cried. They both got the Holy Ghost right there. They, they both got baptized immediately after service. One of them never smoked again. The other one, it didn't matter how much I begged, how much I prayed, how much I counseled, how much I threatened, how much I embarrassed her from the pulpit. I'm young, stupid, inexperienced, desperate. It's a wonder she stayed around. I could not get her to quit stop, quit smoking. One day I prayed and I said, God, what, what, what am I supposed to do here? He said, she has a spirit of nicotine that's working in her flesh she's not possessed with it it's just affecting her in one area of her life she's not possessed she's got the Holy Ghost she cried and prayed and talked in tongues more than the other lady did and of course my Pentecostal tradition said must be fake or she'd quit that smoking the Lord said the Lord said to me She's got a spirit of nicotine. He said, the problem is, the first lady, it was still a work of the flesh. And so it was a habit. Now it's a sin. You can get rid of any sin by repentance if it's just sin. But when you've given yourself over to a sin to a point that you've opened yourself up in that area, there comes a corresponding spirit that works in that area of the flesh. It's not in your soul. It's not in your spirit. It's in your flesh. And he said, you, you have to repent for sin, but you've got to rebuke the spirit. You can't repent enough to get rid of spirit. It's got to be rebuked. And you can't cast sin out of a person. They've got to be willing to repent. So next service, I go armed with this new weapon. And I brought her up front because I'd embarrassed her. And I said, Sister, I'm asking you to I humbly ask you to apologize. I just didn't know. I didn't understand. This isn't your fault. I couldn't help you because I didn't know how to help you. But I do now. 
And I just explained to her and everybody in the auditorium exactly what I just said to you. When I got through, laid hands on her, I took dominion authority over that spirit of nicotine and cast it out of her flesh. She never smoked again. Now, here I am. You ready? Okay. You're not just a moody person. And you don't have clinical depression. Take all the pills you want. It's not getting better. You have a stronghold of depression in your mind. There's some preacher's wives here. There's been times you've been about to lose your mind. And you don't know what's wrong. And better is not still very good. It just means you're surviving with better. It's a stronghold of depression, of defeatism, of victimism. And it's not you. It's a spirit that's created a stronghold of thoughts in your mind. And you can't get rid of that by yourself because you've taken ownership of that and you can't just decide you're going to think different. Repentance deals with the flesh because the word repentance means... Repentance has nothing to do with tears. Repentance means a change of mind, a change of direction. If what you're doing is sin, you can change by repenting. But there comes a point where it becomes a stronghold in your mind. You can repent all you want. You can't get rid of that stronghold. You've taken ownership of those thoughts so long, it ain't changing. I, the question was asked me, well, can a, can a Holy Ghost-filled person come against that stronghold themselves? Yes, it is possible. But it's also unlikely. Because to be able to come against it, something has to happen where a spirit of discernment comes and you see clearly that those thoughts do, are not yours. They don't originate with you. They're not from God. They're not from you. There's only one other source. And you finally disavow ownership of them. And if you ever reach that place, then you can come against it by yourself. It's rare the person does that. I'm pray- we-, we-, we are praying specifically here in a minute, minute or two for strongholds of, dep- of fear. I've already talked a little bit about that while you're praying. I don't know how much you heard. I don't want to go into it too much more. But I'm going to say it to you again. Fear is never natural. It is never a human emotion. It is always spirit originated. In fact, it is a way the adversary produces bondage. And I'm reading to you from Hebrews chapter 2 beginning with verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. That's what's to come. But here's what's for now. And deliver them, verse 15, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. 
Now, I've quit trying to figure stuff out logically when it comes to human emotions. How a person can be full of the Holy Ghost and be in bondage to the terror that you're going to die. I don't understand, but I acknowledge it's possible and in some situations, it's the only answer. And that even though Jesus came to keep you from, so that you can be immune to the bondage that comes with fearing dying, and fearing dying is the ultimate fear. If you're battling the fear of dying, you've already been letting fear work on you in other areas that you have accepted the fear as normal. It's just normal. Who in their right mind wouldn't be afraid of? Not so. Now, there's other things we can deal here with here today, but we're first of all, we're going to pray for people who have strongholds of fear. You can't control it. It controls you. I don't care what it is you're afraid of. Afraid of your kids dying, afraid of your husband, your wife being unfaithful, afraid of not being able to pay your 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 rent or your your bills this month, afraid of dying, afraid of getting sick. Fear. And I know some spiritual people that can be used to God under the anointing that in their personal life, they're bound by fear. What's going to happen to me if this happens? That's a spirit of fear. It's a stronghold of fear. You please, my brothers and sisters, please hear me. You do not have to accept that as the, a course of life. It, God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you have fear, God didn't give it. And God is love. And love casteth out fear. You either have faith or you have fear. Now I agree, sometimes you can have faith. Get under the anointing, you can have faith. But that lifts. And you go back to your natural life, doing your normal things, and that fear is there. And, and you try to tell yourself, well, I must be okay because I don't feel that 100% of the time. You, God, God's grace and mercy won't let you feel that 100% of the time because you would commit suicide. Fear. We're going to pray for strongholds of depression. Then we're going to pray for strongholds of lust. There's lust in the in the eyes and lust in the flesh. That's just part of life. You can't get spiritual enough to get rid of it. You just have to let the Holy Ghost help you past it. Overcome it. Because those things are always going to be there to remind you you're weak. Because only by knowing and reminding yourself you're weak and that you can't do this yourself will, it, will the power of God ever rest on you. But there are some who have opened themselves up to a stronghold of lust. Now don't worry. We're going to invite those who want prayer and need prayer right now to come. And we're not going to specify which one it is. And nobody praying for you has to know which one it is. They don't have to know. not trying to embarrass anybody. But if you've got a stronghold in your life, you are not going to confront the devil, the strong man in your city, head on. 
and the lost are not going to be saved because you don't have the faith, the confidence to bind the strong man. Why do you think he wants you to be afraid? So you'll leave him alone. Why do you think he wants you to be depressed? Because he wants you to be so defeated you can't have faith it can get better. Why does he want why do you think he wants you to have a stronghold of lust? Because he wants you to feel so dirty and unclean that you'll never be good enough to be used of God. You hear me right now. The devil doesn't care how much you believe God can do anything. As long as you never get to the place you believe God can do anything through you and yet the book says that is exactly what he wants me to believe now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh that's active that's operative in you it not, it's not ego it's faith God wants you to be convinced there isn't anything he can't do through you in his box. Now, I, I'm doing my best to avoid looking at the clock when it comes up on my iPad or looking at my watch because we're talking about eternities here. Not just your eternities, but hundreds and thousands of people's eternities that are not being reached not because you're bad people not because you don't love God not because you don't want to do a work for God but there's just stuff there's stuff that's got to be taken care of now I'm asking you to do this please every man of God in this room no I better not do it like that There might be some people that I would call up front to help me pray that has some stuff they need to deal with. And you'll just have to let the Lord use you, and we'll pray for you when it's over with, okay? Um, I'd, I'd like uh, Brother Morgan, if you're not too tired, would you come? Brother Shatwell and Brother Shelton. Brother Dylan, obviously, I'd, I'd like for you down here. Now, here's what we're going to do. You're going to come. There may, there's probably a couple more guys that need. We'll, 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 we'll go along with the flow here for a minute. Uh, you're going to come. They're going to pray for you. Okay? Others are welcome to join around the, you and pray for you. Uh, we're going to need to multiply this. Guys, I don't expect you to stay with one person. I want you to direct the prayer. I don't want anybody released till you feel the release. Okay? If, now, if they walk away, that's their business. But as long as they're willing to stay, I'm trusting you to feel the release and say, okay, the Lord's done it, receive it. You can be seated. We're going to start this way. I only want the, if you're wanting prayer, you don't have to name what it is. 
you may have another stronghold that you know of. When you, when, as I've defined it, it's a stronghold of thought. It's a thought pattern that's negative, that's detrimental to you and the kingdom of God, and 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 you cannot change it. And it, and at the worst of times, it just, it just neutralizes you at best, paralyzes you at worst. And and, and you don't want to go home like that. First four rows, you're welcome to come. We'll start with you. Okay? Now, I want some men of God behind the first four rows to come up and help us pray for them. Then we'll shoot, we'll switch it up. Brother Dobbs, I'm over, I overlooked you. I need you over here helping me with this on this end, would you? Let's kind of spread out here, guys. Okay? You guys, I want you, you, you guys that I have asked to help me, I want you speaking the word of faith, but you don't have to do the whole prayer thing. All right? All right? I, I want a separation between the people in the first four rows that have come to pray and the people that are coming up to, after the first four rows to help us pray. Okay? If you're, if, you are, if you're here to help us pray, would you make your way up to the front? Uh, you can come stand around on the other side. Okay? All right? You can help us pray. Now, you hear what I'm telling you right now. The Holy Ghost told me to do this. Because more than anything in this whole world you can imagine, He wants you going home free. He wants you going home with your mind clear, with your spirit clear, with absolute confidence that God can, will, and uh, can and will use you to do the work He's called you to do. Now, I'm not going to mention the time again. Please forgive me. I'm trying to be conscious of your time, but it's not my problem. All right? It's His problem. Please be patient. When it comes your turn, you don't want us just rush through you. Okay? Now, there will come a point. There will come a point that, that there are some of you, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be honest. There's some of you, you're, you're not quite ready for this. Because these strongholds have offered you some wonderful excuses. And if these things are taken away, you wouldn't have those excuses anymore. So, brethren, those of you that I've specifically appointed, when you feel like you've done all you can do, even if they didn't get what they needed to get, just all you have to do is just say, thank you very much, God bless you. Please step back so we can pray for the next person. Okay? I'm not trying to be unkind, but... but but there's a whole lot of people here to be prayed for. Okay? Hallelujah. Now, when it comes your turn, you're going to hope that everybody in the auditorium is in the Spirit praying. If you don't know what to pray for, and most of us don't because we all have the same infirmity, would you please just pray in the Spirit? And since you don't have to think of the words... All you have to do is let the Holy Ghost flow. There's no reason to not be praying. Let's do it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority you've given unto us, Lord, we take dominion and authority over these strongholds. We're tearing down these strongholds. Lay hands on them. Come on. Come on, lay hands on the people you're praying for. We cast down these imaginations and every high thought 
that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command that stronghold to come down. I command you to be free. I command your mind to be renewed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Don't measure what God is doing by the length of time somebody prays for you. Receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus, it is so. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. Receive it. It's the Word of God. Receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be loosed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Jesus' name, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the name of Jesus, be renewed in the spirit of your mind.
Thank you, Jesus. 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 If you've already been prayed for, if you could kind of move back and let, let the other folks up a little bit, it would help. If you've already been prayed for, if you'd, you'd kind of move back to your seat and let the other folks come up and help, uh, be prayed for, it would help. If you've been prayed for, you want to stay up here and help us pray, you're welcome. In the name of Jesus, please move toward the front. Not, don't stay in the aisle. If you want to be prayed for, you haven't been prayed for, please move toward the front. Just move toward the front and raise your hands. Move toward the front and raise your hands and they'll know that you want them to, to the, the brother know that you want them to pray for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. I tear down every stronghold. I cast down every stronghold in the minds of the people of God. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to come down. Be free. Be loosed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Please, please make your way to the front on the sides or whatever. Please make your way to the front if there's room. So we can get to everyone. Please don't stay in the aisle. Come around if you need to. In the name of Jesus. 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 Be free in Jesus' name. Receive it. Be loosed in Jesus' name. Receive it. Please help me pray, folks. Please help me pray. Please help me pray. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on, brother. Speak against it. Speak to it. Tear it down. Cast it down. Pull it down. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on. Receive it. Receive it. Itaha sakata ha da 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 ba ha.
Jesus name Jesus name Yes Lord Yes Lord Yes Lord Yes Lord In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus My God He love kasataye in the name of Jesus. I got some room over here, folks. If you want to make your way around over here, there's some folks over here that'll pray for you. If you haven't been prayed for, just when you get to the front, raise your hands. Close your eyes, raise your hands when you get to the front, and they'll know that you're to be prayed for. Please. When you're through being ministered to, if you could make your way back and provide us some room up front. We're going to pray for everybody that needs it. Everybody that's willing to receive it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When you, when you get down to the front, not still in the aisles, but when you get down to the front, just raise your hands and, and the, they'll pray for you. In the name of Jesus. 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 Somebody that's praying for a person has to have their hand on the head. At least one person has got to be touching the head. You're using your authority against the mind, against the thoughts of the mind. In the name of Jesus. 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 My God. My God. Ha! When you're no longer being prayed for, please move back to your seat and make room for the others that need to come. Please make some room for the others needed that won't get prayed for.
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you have not been prayed for, just be patient. Keep your hands raised. We'll get to you as quick as we can. If there's anybody else that hadn't been prayed for, come on down. Please. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, help us out. If there's somebody near you with their hands raised, regardless of where they are, would you just lay hands on them and pray for them right now? Come on, man. If you haven't been prayed for, please leave your hands up wherever you are, and somebody will find you. Come on. Come on. Right in front of you, man. Right there. Yeah, right there. Pray for her. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hitaha sukuti hekataha. Ilu rubu kusahatatabaha. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on. It's breaking. It's breaking. Hallelujah. If there's somebody nearby you with their hands raised, they're trying to tell you they want prayer. Come on. I don't care who you are, where you are. Pray for them right now. Come on. If there's somebody with their hands still up, they're still wanting prayer. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them.
in the name of Jesus. 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 Our weapons are mighty. Our weapons are powerful through God. Now, it is inappropriate and unscriptural for us to participate in this without some genuine, truly anointed thanks being given. Now, we got one more thing we're going to do, but we're going to thank God right now. Come on. Thanksgiving. Genuine thanksgiving is a product of faith. Genuine thanksgiving is a product of faith. I believe it whether I feel it. I believe it whether I... Whether I it's different right this moment. I believe it. <laughs> 